Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa ba'd. Rabbi yassir wa la tu'asir wa tamim bil khayri wa bika nasta'inu ya fatah. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa ahdu luqtatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Rabbi zidni ilma wa lhiqni bil salihin. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. Innaka antal alimul hakim. Subhanaka la fahma lana illa ma fahamtalana. Innaka antal jawadul kareem. My dear respected elders, brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. One of the many noteworthy practices that we've picked up over the years living here in the West, either from birth or somewhere down the road from there, is becoming accustomed to a schedule. Everything is with a set time and plan. I'm not implying that it's a bad thing, not at all. Rather, it is a manner of organizing one's life and the affairs of life. But truth is, my dear friends, it is not all fruits and flowers. For there are some disadvantages to it. For example, are we giving all our portions in the daily schedule its due time and attention? Are we fulfilling the need or just the time slot? On a broader perspective, are we in control of our schedule or has it become the controller of us? As life continues to progress, our schedules become more and more cramped up. This has become the lifestyle for many. From the wee hours of dawn till late night, our schedules practically dictate our life. So for one to remain idle thereafter, after being accustomed to such a trend, without any activity or agenda is inconceivable and to an extent aberrant. When one goes for Hajj, majority of the time during the days and nights of it are idle. In the sense that there is nothing to do physically. There is no meetings, sales, customer relations, services, traveling and working on a project, etc. None of that. As we are accustomed to in our weekly schedule from Monday to Friday. Yet as for focusing effort in time mentally and spiritually, it is more than one is accustomed to do on a regular basis. Unfortunately, if one fails to acknowledge that this is also a function of life, that they too, the spirit and the heart, require time, attention and effort, which in truth is the primary focus of Hajj itself, then one during these days becomes agitated and aggravated. The result of this frustration is sleep, idle talk, or unnecessary actions which will take one away from directing attention to the correct venue. Similarly, if one is told to do one thing, not many different things, for a prolonged period, This also for many is a source of frustration. For example, we're being told on the second day of Hajj, stand all day in prayer. What? 
Why? What for? How much does one need to pray? Or you'll hear comments such as, I've asked Allah everything I needed to ask Him. Better yet, Allah knows our hearts and intention, and He will give what He wants, etc., etc. Again, not understanding the importance of spiritual and mental reform. So today, my dear brothers and sisters, I intend to break down the significance of some of the prescribed acts of Hajj. Not for why we need to do it, rather what we gain from doing it. Doing it right and for the complete time required and how effective they truly are. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our hearts and minds. For this we say, Ameen. Hajj consists of five days. From the 8th to the 13th of Dil Hijjah. There are only a handful of items on the to-do list during the course of these five days. Only a few things. Where shall we begin from today? We turn to a hadith. Once the Holy Prophet Wasallam, he said regarding the Hajj, defining it with the most significance of its days and acts, saying, Al-Hajju Arafah. The Hajj is Arafah i.e. the climatic experience and connection occurs between a pilgrim and his Lord in Arafah through the wuquf, the standing in prayer during stay in Arafah. In Arafah, my dear brothers and sisters, it is recommended to engage in prayer from midday till sunset non-stop. Unfortunately, my dear brothers, the condition is somewhat otherwise. How it goes, let me give you a breakdown. It usually begins with the two prayers being combined, Dhuhr and Asr prayer combined, followed by a lunch, during which or immediately following it is a dynamic speech. The Prophet ﷺ came here and this is the Hajj and this is the opportunity and X, Y, Z. We're going to pray for ourselves, our family, the whole Ummah. People are suffering and crying. Let's go do it. But now after a good meal, you need to go to the bathroom. So the bathroom break usually lasts approximately, in average, two hours. Because of the lengthy lines. Now some will then sleep in excuse to wake up fresh for prayers. And others will pray a bit and then sleep on it. Some will recline on sofas reading the newspaper or watching the news. Whatever the engagement might be, might be my dear friends, the time will pass. The end result is either a gain or a loss. The choice is totally up to us. Good example. There once was a king. And he wanted to award one of his peasants whatever he desired. So he called him, he summoned him, and told him, you're going to be taken down to the room where all the treasures are stored. And I give you 24 hours and take from it what you want. So he's escorted downstairs, guards all over the place, the doors open, and in front of him is this, Amazing room, 
filled with all sorts of treasures that the mind can never imagine. So what he does initially, he inspects the room, the size of it, the quantity. Then he sits down, he thinks about it. He kind of sketches up a plan in his mind. And he says, you know what, for all this work that I'm planning, a lot of effort's required, a lot of strength is required, let me sleep for a while. Let me sleep for a while, I wake up fresh and I'm ready to go. And unfortunately, the course of all this, break it down, the 24 hours pass. And the guard wakes him up and tells him, now it's time for you to go. He entered with opportunity, yet he exits with nothing. Empty hand. What will tone us towards making Arafah a beneficial one? And how will we gain from Arafah? We need to know firstly what's in store. Aisha radiallahu reports that Rasulullah said, There is no day, there is no day in which Allah sets free more souls from the fire of hell than the day of Arafah. On this day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala draws near to the earth and by way of exhibiting his pride, remarks to his angels, what is the desire of these servants of mine? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is at all times near us. So there is no need for him to literally ascend and descend. What is, when these statements or such similar statements are, are, are made, the ulama explained that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's special mercies descend at that time. When the day of Arafah dawns, another hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the lowest heaven and boastingly remarks to his angels, Look at my servants. They have come towards me with their hair disheveled and scattered while their bodies and clothes are covered with dust due to the long journeys. Their cry is, Labaik Allahumma labaik. We are at your service, O Lord. We are at your service. O my angels, I take you to witness that I have forgiven their sins. The angels will ask, they will say, O oh Allah, amongst them there is that person who, who is present here today in Arafah, yet he is inclined towards sin. And amongst them is that evil man, and that so woman. They will point out, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, I have forgiven them all. No holds barred today. No explanation, nothing. It's a done deal. In one hadith, Rasulullah said, On no other day are so many souls set free from hell as on that day. This is hadith of Mishkat. In a similar tradition, with a different twist, Rasulullah said that Allah subhanahu says on that day, These servants of mine have come to me with disheveled hair, begging for my mercy. Then Allah addresses the pilgrims and He says, Even though your sins shall be as numerous as the grains of sand on this earth, and though they may be as many as the raindrops that descend from heaven, and though your sins may be as many as the trees that grow on this earth, I forgive them all. Proceed from here to your homes while your sins are forgiven. Subhanallah. I.e. by utilizing these few hours 
from midday to sunset, approximately six and a half, seven hours, utilizing them correctly, you walk away a winner. Simple. Let's look at another hadith. On the day of Arafah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala boastingly addresses the angels and saying, Look at them. Look at them. I have sent my messenger to them. They believed him. I revealed my book to them and they believed it. You be my witness that I have forgiven them all. Hadith in Kanzul Ummal. What is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying here? That following the footsteps of Muhammad to the exact grounds and sites where he walked. Walking in his footsteps literally is impossible, but only in this mode of worship. We're praying here. Muhammad did not pray here. But the grounds of Hajj, the vicinity of those grounds, is where Muhammad walked and he performed. So you are literally following Muhammad. Similarly, your acceptance of the call is evidence of your faith that the call that was made and is quoted in the Quran is from an authentic transcript. With so much to gain, with so much at stake, how can one sleep and become heedless? Amid all these opportunities, my dear friends, shaitan will want you to lose. He will want you to lose. He will want you to fail. He is determined to make you like that peasant who walked away empty-handed. Hence, it is up to you to beat him. For Allah subhanahu is surely going to disrupt his efforts and sidetrack him. But the final push is in your hands. Talha radiallahu reports, hadith in Mishkat, that Rasulullah said, apart from the day of the battle of Badr, has this occurred or is it to occur? It's occurred, right? Apart from the day of battle of Abadr, which has occurred and will never happen again, there is no day on which the shaitan is seen more humiliated, more rejected, more depressed, and more infuriated than on the day of Arafah. And indeed, all this is only because of beholding the abundance of descending mercy on that day and Allah's forgiveness of the great sins of the servants on that day. One standing for six hours in the plains of Arafah on the night of the Hijjah is enough to destroy his whole life's effort and ambition. When Allah forgives your faults and sins, he's doomed. In one hadith, Rasulullah says that shaitan orders his enemy, his evil army, his soldiers, to await the pilgrim along the roads by which they come and to mislead them. He knows what's transpiring in Arafah and there's no way he can get you in Arafah. Because once an individual enters, they are engrossed in Allah's mercy. So they stand outside and they await anyone coming, distract them. Put them in a situation where they will ruin their hajj prior to entering into these grounds. So focus, my dear brothers and sisters, is the key. And the manner to maintain focus 
How can I be focused when I leave Mina and go to Arafah for this great day? How do I maintain this focus? By reminding oneself of the acceptance to the call. By uttering continuously with your tongue, what do we utter? Labaik Allahumma labaik, labaik la sharika laka labaik, inna alhamda wa ni'mata laka wal mulk la sharika lak. Here I am, O oh Allah, here I am. Focus. Sahl ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala reports that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, when a Muslim shouts labaik, then verily every stone, tree, and all the ground to his right and to his left recites the same. Say subhanallah. You say labaik and every creation around you utters labaik. And this continues till that cry reaches the end of the earth. Labaik is the symbol, it's the emblem of Hajj. In Ghans, we find a report that when Musa used to say Labaik, Musa used to speak to Allah. When he used to say Labaik, Allah subhanahu would respond, Labaik, O Musa. He would say, I'm here, Allah. Allah would say, I'm here, O Musa. What a connection. The creation repeats from you and Allah responds to you. How then can the devil derail you from your quest when the creator is your guide and the creation is your support? Moving along my dear friends to all other aspects of Hajj. In a hadith which covers much ground on this topic, it is related by Abdullah ibn Umar He reports that I was once with Rasulullah in a masjid, in the masjid of Mina. Two persons, one from the tribe of Thaqif and the other was from the Ansar. They came forward. They greeted Muhammad and they said, We wish, O Rasulullah to ask you a question. Rasulullah responded, you have permission, ask, or if you should prefer, then I shall inform you as to what you intend to ask me today. They said, tell us, O Rasulullah Rasulullah replied, you have come to inquire as to what shall be the reward for him who has left his home to perform hajj. And as what shall be the reward for two rak'ah after tawaf? And as to what is the reward for sa'i between Safa and Marwa? For the pausing on the plains of Arafah, for the throwing of the stones at the shaitan, and for the sacrificing of the animals, and the tawaf of ziyara of the Kaaba. This is what you've come to ask. They respond, we, they replied, we swear by him who has sent you as a messenger that these were indeed the questions that were on our mind. Rasulullah replied, For every stride your camel takes as you leave from your home, having the intention for Hajj, a good deed is written down for you, while one sin is forgiven. The reward for the rak'ats of tawaf, after performing the tawaf, shall be as if you freed one Arab slave. The reward for sa'i between Safa and Marwa is like the freeing of 70 slaves. And when the people gather on the plains of Arafah, 
And when the people gather on the plains of Arafah, Allah descends to the lower heaven and boastingly says to the angels once more, disheveled hair seeking my mercy. O people, even though your sins shall be as numerous as the grains of sands, though they may be as numerous as the drops of rain that descend from the heaven, and though that they may be as numerous as the waves of the sea. I have forgiven them all. O oh, my servants, go forth while you are forgiven and pardoned. Your sins are forgiven and so are forgiven the sins of those on behalf of whom you intercede. Rasulullah further said, As for the stoning of the shaitan, for every stone that is thrown one such sin which would have destroyed you is pardoned. The reward for sacrificing the animal, the udhiyah, the qurbani, is a special treasure which Allah stores for you. It is a special treasure Allah has stored it for you. When you release yourself from the ihram by shaving your hair, for every hair that falls, there is written the reward of one good deed, whilst one sin forgiven. After all this, when the hajj, the haji performs the tawaf of ziyarah, not a single sin remains upon him. Then what happens? He's now doing the tawaf of hajj. Everything is done. What can he gain now? An angel places his hand on the back between the shoulder blades and says, now you may recommence your deeds. All your previous sins are forgiven. Hadith of Targhib. Subhanallah, my dear brothers and sisters. What an honor. What a high regard and what a return. These are such words that one should feel the pull and the impulse to dive in and embrace such virtues. Yet one should also, on the flip side, contemplate over what lifestyle one is living and going to Allah with. Good stuff, no doubt. But what am I currently doing and how am I going to present myself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Am I living a conducive lifestyle or a contradictive lifestyle? This doesn't mean I'm being judgmental of anyone. I have no right to do this. But you as an individual have a duty to scan and judge yourself and your stance in this regard. For the pious saints and predecessors alongside the Sahaba, the companions of Rasulullah did exactly that. Hence, a haji must combine fear and anxiety with hope when answering the summons of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fear should be that our evil deeds do not prevent our presence from becoming accepted. Mutarif ibn Abdullah used to pray in this manner on the plains of Arafah, O oh Allah, do not reject them all because of my ill fortune. O oh Allah, do not reject all these pilgrims due to my ill fortune. And he's a tabi'i. Bakr Muzani rahimahullah relates that he saw a saintly man on the plains of Arafah saying, Look at all these thousands. I feel that had I not been amongst them, they would have been forgiven. Had I not been amongst them, they would have been forgiven. It is reported that when Zain al-Abideen rahimahullah used to enter into ihram, into the two sheets, his face used to become very pale. And his body used to shake and tremble so much that he could not utter labbaik. Someone asked him, you do not recite labbaik when you enter into ihram? 
He replied, I fear greatly that in reply to my labaik, a cry may come from above saying, La labaik, that your presence is not accepted. Thereafter, with great difficulty, he uttered labaik whilst he was on his camel, but then he fell unconsciously. This would always happen whenever he said labaik. Ahmad, Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, he relates, I once performed Hajj with Abu Sulaiman. When he entered into Ihram, he did not recite Labaik. After we went about a mile, he fell unconscious. When he recovered, he said, O Ahmad, Allah revealed unto Hazrat Musa salam, saying, O Musa, inform the unjust ones that they should not remember me much. Inform the unjust ones that they should not remember me much because then I shall have to remember them with a curse. O oh, Ahmad, I have been informed that when a person performs hajj with ha haram things and recites labaik, then Allah replies to his cry saying, La labaik, you are not welcome. And your presence here is not desirable until such a time that you discard your evil ways. This is recorded in Ittihaf. This is based on the Holy Quran. Allah says in the Holy Quran, فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ You remember me, I'm going to remember you. But if you're remembering Allah in a state of evilness, Allah has to remember you because this is His statement. Allah doesn't go against His word. I, couldn't, I shouldn't say He has to. He will do because He sticks to His word. But when Allah remembers an evil person, He will remember that evil individual with a curse. May Allah protect us from this. Amen. A saintly person who resided in Mecca, he used to perform Hajj every year. On his 70th Hajj, how many? 70th Hajj, he entered into his ihram crying and he said, Labaik. And he heard, La Labaik. So there was a young man with him when this occurred the 70th time. He said to him, Oh uncle, a cry of La Labaik has come in answer to your call of Labaik. So that saint said, Oh son, did you also hear it? He said, yes, of course I heard it. He said, this happens to me time after time. Every year I come and I say, Labaik. Allah says, La Labaik. He's a saint. Allah saying no. So the man said, the man began to cry. 70 years, this always happened. So young boy asked, oh my uncle, then why do you put yourself in so much difficulty year after year coming for Hajj? If Allah saying no, just leave it. Right? As we say, I pray to Allah, you don't accept it, let it be. La ilaha illallah. He said, Oh my son, it is not permissible for a slave to flee from the door of his master for any reason that may not suit him. This man began to cry so much that the tears rolled down and it was all over his chest. And then after again, he cried, Labaik. This time, both of them heard that we have accepted your Labaik. He cried in the bake. Allah said, now we have indeed accepted your presence here. In spite of this fear, my dear brothers and sisters, this fear for the contrary, one should have hope and trust that Allah will accept our deeds. For Rasulullah used to pray, Allahumma inna maghfirataka awsa'u min dhunubi. That, O oh Allah, your forgiveness is so much more infinite than my sins. That I have so much hope in your mercy for my good deeds I have performed. Whatever good I've done, I have hope from your mercy that you will forgive my sins. 
Ali ibn Muwaffaq says, Once on the eve of Arafah, the night preceding it, I slept in the Masjid of Mina. I saw two angels in green clothing descend from above. One asked the other, How many pilgrims are present here this year? The other responded, 600,000. Do you know how many of them have been accepted by Allah? He responded, I know not. The first one went on and said, Allah has accepted the Hajj of only six of them. Allah has accepted the Hajj of only six of them. Saying this, they both completed a conversation and ascended back into the heaven. Ibn Muwafiq says that greatly filled with fear and anxiety when I heard this, I woke up in deep distress of my own Hajj. Allah has accepted six. Before I could think about others, what happened to me? What can I do about myself? What is my chance? When he went to Arafah, he prayed on this with great distress and worry. When he was on his way back from Arafah, he fell asleep in Muzdalfa. Therein again he saw the angels descend from the heaven. And they asked the same question as before. He says, do you know what Allah has commanded regarding this situation? How many are there? 600,000. How many forgiven? Six. So now the conversation extends further. Do you know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded regarding this situation? The second replied, I know not. The first one continued, Allah has decreed that on account of the blessings of each of those six, 100,000 people's hajj should be accepted, say subhanAllah. That there are some pious people here in this hajj, that these six individuals, on them, the weight of 100,000 hajj is accepted. And one last final hadith, Rasulullah is reported to have said, that person is indeed a great sinner, who while on the plain of Arafah, still believes that his sins shall not be forgiven. He is indeed a great sinner that when he is standing in Arafah and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not only descending but is, is submerged in Allah's mercy, he doubts that Allah will forgive his sin. That is a sin itself. So in conclusion here today, my dear brothers and sisters, Hajj is truly a great journey. A life evaluating and rectifying journey. Emotions are in a state that no word in any language can describe them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept us all for this great worship and return us all with the true and accepted hajj. Ameen ya rabbil alameen wa akhiru da'wan alhamdulillah rabbil alameen.